Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, the Old Testament book of Samuel, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Samuel 9, 1 through 7. You'll find that on page 260 and 261 of your church Bibles. Uh, it is an Old Testament illustration of our New Testament text, which deals with these words, kindness and goodness. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 7, and then I'll, without pausing, go right into Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, and then Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And I want you to pay attention for the words kindness and goodness as I'm reading these, this text in both the Old and New Testaments. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is God's word. Kindness changes everything. In her book, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, Rosario Butterfield wrote about her life as a tenured radical lesbian at Syracuse University. 
She was a leader in LBGTQ rights. She had co-authored the university's first domestic partner policy, and she thought Christians were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and fearful of diversity. She published an article critiquing the Promise Keepers movement for their gender politics. And upon publication, she received responses either praising her or condemning her. I mean, you could just put the responses in one of two piles. And they were piles. But one two-page letter perplexed her. Absolutely confused her. It was from a local pastor. It was civil, warm, and it asked probing questions like, how did you arrive at your interpretations? How do you know you're right? Um, would you call yourself a materialist? That is, do you believe that the universe is a closed system and there's no supernatural being that transcends the universe? Or would you call yourself a supernaturalist? That is, do you believe in God? Do you? So the letter was curious, not combative, and the tone was not against her at all. It was just a simple request that she identify and defend her assumptions. Well, eventually she contacted the pastor and uh, they really became friends along with the pastor and his wife. And this is what she said. Rosario said, they talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. And they developed a friendship. And through their friendship and multiple dinner conversations, these acts of table fellowship became an important part of her journey to Christianity. Rosaria Butterfield was rescued from the kingdom of darkness and she left her lesbian lifestyle. She received by grace through faith Jesus as king. He changed her heart adopted her into his kingdom. And she's a pastor's wife now. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story. But it started with a letter. She said, it was the kindest letter of opposition I'd ever received. Kindness. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I want to talk about kindness and goodness today. Kindness and goodness remind us that the Spirit's fruit is, is ninefold. Paul's not talking about nine different fruits. He's talking about a singular fruit that displays itself with traits and characteristics that reveal the very life of Christ in the lives of his people. And 
kindness and goodness. My, don't we need kindness and goodness in our world today? It just seems like that we live in a culture of bullying or oppressive domination or, or top-down abusiveness. And the idea of kindness just doesn't seem to be very valuable in our world. And I see this as an opportunity for us to stand out as the people who belong to Christ. That by his strength, by his spirit's wisdom and power, his traits might flow from his heart through our hearts to the hearts of the world in a way that is winsome and attractive and, and in a way that draws people and gets them curious about the God that we worship. And kindness and goodness are, 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 are powerful, winsome traits in the lives of believers. But what do we mean by kindness and goodness? What do we mean by that? I want to talk about that this morning. I want to give a definition of what kindness and goodness consist of. And then, and then I want to give a, a, an Old Testament illustration that pictures kindness and goodness. We actually read it in 2 Samuel 9. We'll talk it through here in a moment. And then I have a question for us as we go out and see our world. I'll be the first to admit to you that... Uh, <laughs> The church office and the culture that I try to shepherd here at Windsor is, is probably easier than your place to practice kindness and goodness. So we're broken, fallen sinners here, to be sure. But I want to try to encourage us all here that as you go out into the world that you occupy in your jobs and in your relationships, that you would know that you're not alone that the Spirit's presence is flowing in and through you to be a blessing to others. And this is especially important as we consider our theme for the next two years, the simple commission. Becoming disciples who make disciples for the glory of Christ. We want, we want to be able to share good news. But if we're going to share good news, we've got to first be good news. So are you? Are you kind? Do, do you do good? Huh? What do we mean by those words? Well, let's talk about those words. Let's get to the definition. And here it is. Kindness is the genuine desire for someone else's joy. The genuine desire for someone else's joy. Kindness is the feeling you feel when you want someone to flourish. Kindness is the supernaturally endowed orientation of the heart to others. Most of the time, it's to our families. Often, it's to strangers, even enemies. Kindness goes with fondness, and it's not far from helpfulness. When our heartsick world says with David in Psalm 142, verse 4, no one cares for my soul, Kindness comes alongside and says, I do, I care, I genuinely desire your joy. 
As I was thinking about the scriptures that speak to kindness, it dawned on me that the Bible is relentless in repeating and reminding us that God genuinely desires our joy. I think about Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. God genuinely desired Joseph's joy so that even though he was persecuted and falsely accused and imprisoned, the scripture says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness and gave him favor. Exodus chapter 15 verse 13 is the one verse summary of the entire book of Exodus. And in that one verse summary is the word kindness. It says, you have led in your kindness the people you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy mountain. And we don't have time to talk through the 127 references of kindness in the book of Psalms. But I'll give you three. Psalm 63, 3. Your loving kindness is better than life. I will praise you. And then what about Psalm 106, verse 1? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is kind. His love endures forever. Oh, and here's a verse for the farmers. Psalm 85, 12. Yes, the Lord will give us what is kind, and our land will increase its yield. Some of you are walking through the darkest valley right here, right now. I prayed with some of you in the fireside room not one hour ago. And you need to hear from Nahum 1.7. God is kind to those who wait on him in the time of their affliction. God's ultimate expression of kindness, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. In the coming ages, God will show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. It was Christ himself who said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And then he says this. This is what it means. My yoke is kind. And my burden is light. Don't you see? Christ genuinely desires your joy. And so it's no wonder when we consider, say, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It was kindness that prompted the Good Samaritan to stop on the Jericho Road for his half-dead enemy. And when we consider Paul's letter to the Galatians, it was kindness that led the Galatians to treat Paul like an angel of God. That's what Paul says. He says, I first preached to you uh, because of a bodily ailment, and, and you treated me like I was an angel of God. Well, my, my condition was a trial to you, but you would have given me your very eyes if you could have. Kindness. But don't mistake kindness for mushy sentimentality. 
Kindness can sometimes be severe. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Kindness. There's a spirit-generated desire for your joy. And when the Spirit's kindness is operating in and through us, we, we automatically become selfless people, sensitive to the physical and emotional and spiritual needs of others. When kindness ripens, we feel compassion for the hurting, care for the lonely, concerned for the confused, and compelled to help those who cannot help themselves. Yes, I know. Our capacity for kindness is tested when we're tired or hungry or we have low blood sugar or we're busy or we're proud. When there's no energy, no nutrition, no margin, no humility, we obstruct the Spirit's kindness. And the opposite of kindness is contempt. And if you want to know the one word that distinguishes healthy marriages from unhealthy marriages, it's the word kindness. Everyday husbands and wives uh, make requests for connection, uh, bids, if you will. Small talk in the car, perhaps a walk or a text during the day or dinner together. It, it may be a, just a momentary touch or it may be longer. And spouses then have a choice, right? To either turn toward or turn away. And they're all little choices, but they add up. So kindness is a choice. Kindness freely chooses to desire your joy. And that gets us into the section of truth that would teach us that kindness is really about generosity. <laughs> Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Isn't that interesting? To lend to the Lord? Is there anyone with a better credit rating than the Lord? And this brings us to the relationship between kindness and goodness. You see, kindness is the spirit-generated desire. Goodness is the spirit-generated deed. The deed to advance that desire. Kindness is the emotion for the joy of others. Goodness is the activity that actually brings the joy. So here it is, big idea coming your way. Goodness is kindness in action. Goodness is kindness in action. And it's as simple as a, a pleasant word or a caring smile or note or write home. Most of the time, though, kindness is going to cost. It's one-way love. There's no payback. And it's probably, not probably, it will definitely be at an inconvenient time. A surprise. You're ambushed with this opportunity of kindness. Are we prepared? You all have been so kind to Sarah and us 
and me, Karen and me, of late, at our reception, there was a huge box of just cards of kindness and goodness. And in some of those cards were, well, there's just, oh, there's gift cards to this, this, this movie and, oh, go have this meal here and go there. And then there's got several to Panera. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and so Sarah and I, we uh, had dinner the other night. And I brought my Panera cards. And so we had, oh, wow, it's a wonderful salad. And one of those fancy herbal teas. And it was really, really good. And, and there, was, there was more left over on the card. It was just awesome, kind, good. So I stuck the cards in kind of my cup holder in my car. And I'm driving here and there throughout the week, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to enjoy a cinnamon roll. It's going to be really good. Put that thing in the microwave for about 20 seconds, you know. 20 seconds, actually 17 seconds. <laughs> you know, have some coffee with it. Oh, it's going to be great. There it is. That's the opportunity I'm going to take right there. I had to have my re re prescription refilled, and so I'm going to pull up to the drugstore, and I'm there in my car, and there's the kiosk on my left. I'm on the outside lane. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I pull out my phone, check my emails. And while I'm waiting, looking at the email, all of a sudden, I look, and there's someone on the other side of my passenger window. A smiling person, they want the, the window to go down. This has not happened to me before. <laughs> I said, hi. Hello, sir. I was wondering if it would be possible if, if, if I could have just $10 so that I could stay in a hotel room tonight. I know of no hotel room that I would recommend for $10. <laughs> so I, I, I said, well, I, 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 really don't, I really don't have money to give you, um, so... And then I glanced down at my cup holder. Oh, come on! <laughs> you got to be kidding me! I, I, really, really? Now, I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. For some of you, he uses really flowery, churchy-like language. Oh, brother so-and-so. Let us now part with thine possession, which actually came from mine own hands, etc., etc. I don't know, but here's how the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Fork it over. <laughs> now. <Yeah. sighs> okay. 
no. I said, here, I said, I, I know you have a good meal with this, and I, I really do want you to have it. I really did want them to have it. But there it is. There it is. Kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. Kindness is goodness in action. And, and opportunities come to those who are prepared. Hmm. Well, that's the definition. Now, glance at your Bibles at this passage of Scripture that we looked at in 2 Samuel chapter 9 because it's a beautiful picture of this definition, goodness is kindness in action. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, King David has secured the throne. He is the second king of Israel. He followed King Saul, who did not fully follow God. Saul's son, Jonathan, was heir to the throne. Jonathan and David were best friends. Best friends. But David had been anointed by God through the prophet Samuel to be the next king. So that, that was going to happen. Jonathan's only request to David was that if he were to die, that David not kill off his family line. Well, in fact, both Saul and Jonathan did die in a battle against the Philistines, and David ruled. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, David remembered his promise to Jonathan. And that's what's behind the question in verse 1. Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? In other words, is there anyone left in the enemy camp to whom I can show love? Because I want my rule to be characterized by love. So David summons Saul's former chief servant to the throne, a guy by the name of Ziba. And Ziba says, yes, there is still someone. There is a son of Jonathan, verse 3. He is crippled in his feet. Now, there's no name that's given. We don't see the name until verse 6. Up to this point in the narrative, there's no name. So there's no name, there's no identity. That's how marginalized he is. Disabled and disposable. Well, where is he, David asks. Ziba says, well, he's in the village of Lodabar. Lodabar, where's Lodabar? Well, let's take a look. So the bottom star is Jerusalem. The red star above is Lodabar. Out and away. About 10 miles or so south-southeast of the Sea of Galilee. Lodabar means no pasture. So it's not exactly prime farmland. Outside the city limits of Jerusalem, outside the boundaries of the worshiping community, someone has to care for him. So he's a dependent. David says, summon him. So troops from the king arrive at the no-pasture village. They don't get much traffic. <laughs> What's this? A knock on the door. The troops arrive. The door opens. The king wants, points to the man on the mat, him. Now it's been five verses. We still don't know his name. That's significant. So the son of David's best friend, 
the grandson of David's former adversary, is summoned to the palace. Back then, that could only mean one thing, execution. When he finally gets before the throne, he hobbles and he falls to his face. David cries out in verse 6, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. It's the first word out of his mouth. So he's not anonymous. He's not a nameless exile. He's not even in the subgroup called victim. He is a person. He's an individual, not a disability. And by the way, according to 1 Chronicles 8, 34, 1 Chronicles 8, 34, his real name was Meribael. Meribael, meaning the Lord defends my case. But when he was five years old, according to 2 Samuel 4, a nurse that was taking care of him scooped him up and fled for safety when news of Jonathan's death came. She dropped him. He fell. And that's how he became disabled. And that's when someone named him Mephibosheth, a name that means shame. Shame. In verse 6, the first words out of Mephibosheth's mouth, I am your servant. He thinks he's going to die. And David assures him in verse 7, do not be afraid. I, I will restore everything. I want you to dine at my table. I know who you are. And verse 11 says that Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. In one verse, this anonymous, penniless, disabled, marginalized man living on the edge of Israel, outside the worshiping community, at the word of the king, he suddenly becomes Lord Grantham of Downton Abbey. And Ziba, he becomes Mr. Carson. Fifteen sons and twenty servants of his own. David told Ziba, you're going to run this place and I expect a prophet. You're going to report to Mephibosheth, but he's going to be staying with me. And verse 12 says, Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. Don't you see how extraordinarily kind and good David is. It's, it's, not simply an act of, it's not simply an act of charity to a disabled person who poses no threat to the crown. David's goodness toward Mephibosheth ensured the survival of Saul's line, and it was a fulfilled promise. In verse 13, closes the chapter, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. For he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. A reminder to us that Mephibosheth was the recipient of irresistible kindness. Now, can, can you see the possibilities 
of this chapter in our life today? In 2 Samuel chapter 9, God offers the possibilities of spirit-generated kindness and goodness. In God's world, Mephibosheth is not merely a recipient, but an agent of kindness and goodness. He's not going to be able to spend all that that land produces on himself. He's He's going to sit at the king's table. And that's not merely a handout. He's at the king's table where conversation and community and participation and contribution about the health of the nation, that's where that's going to occur. Think about it. David's kindness and goodness treated Mephibosheth as if he was already well because in the eyes of God, he already is well. Is that not a lesson for us on our journey toward gospel diversity? That God is calling our congregation to be ethnically and socioeconomically and educationally and generationally diverse and, and to include both the healed and the not yet healed. And it takes all of us to fully appreciate the Spirit's ministry in manifesting Christ's kingdom so that we can glorify God more and more and more. John Golden Gay is a biblical scholar. Oh, he's been a good friend to me in my study. He has some wonderful books that have helped me in teaching. John Golden Gay gave kindness and goodness to his very, very sick wife, Anne, until her death. And he wrote these words. Hear them, please. It is possible for the disabled to become victims of other people's needs to organize, dominate, or do miracles. God does not organize, dominate, or do miracles for Anne. God lets her be. Perhaps she ministers to God. definition. Goodness is kindness in action. Illustration. David and Mephibosheth. And now the question. It's really the question that began this chapter in 2 Samuel 9.1. It's a simple one. To whom can I show kindness? To whom can I show kindness? Is there anyone left that I may show kindness? Wouldn't it be great to do what David did? Wouldn't it? Well, here's how. You want to know how? Here's how. The way you become David is to first admit that you are Mephibosheth. We all are Mephibosheth. Disabled by sin, inherited by the fall of Adam and Eve, And the law has summoned us before the king of kings. And we cannot run, and we cannot hide, and we cannot stand, and we cannot fight. And we know our guilt and failure before a holy God. And yet when brought before his throne, his righteous throne, his white, hot, holy throne, to our amazement, Jesus, 
the King of kings and the Lord of hosts, says, Randall, I know your name. I do not want you to be afraid. I want you to dine at my table forever. Like one of the king's sons. Is that not what we read in Galatians 3, 26? For in Christ, you all are sons and daughters of God through faith. Is this not what we've heard from Titus 3, 4, and 5? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. We have been carried to the table of the king. And now, as his royal sons and daughters, we who have received goodness and kindness, we've now been commissioned to share it. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. To whom can I show kindness today? Uh, let me just go a little deeper with two questions. Question one, here it is. What would I do for people if I were Christ? How would, how would I treat them if I were Christ? How would I respond? What would I say? What does kindness and goodness look like if I were Christ? Question two. What would I do for people if they were Christ? Can we ask God for opportunities to show kindness and goodness knowing that we look into the face of Jesus himself. Where can I give a smile or a word or a gift? A tangible gift of love. Am I prepared in advance to try to help? Have I some form of kindness and goodness ready? Ready. What if I were Christ? What if they were Christ? Goodness is kindness in action. In just a moment, we're going to pray that that prayer from the fruit of the Spirit that we've been praying throughout this series. But I, I, I want to encourage you as your brother in Christ, as your pastor, to, to, on this day, as our offering is passed, to give from a heart that desires to bring joy to others. We have this privilege of, of sharing an offering, the whole offering to salt and light today. What a, what a privilege that is. Give from a heart that desires and give from a life that follows through. Goodness is kindness in action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that this day we may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, we pray that this day we may take up our cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, we pray that this day you will fill us with yourself, 
and cause your fruit to ripen in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the church said, amen.